Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 547, January 27th, 2021. It was 47 degrees on this day in 1934 and 23 below in 1950. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. We're joined by Kendall Qualls, who ran a good fight for the, the uh, against... Uh, Help me. Dean Phillips. Dean, Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips and Kendall ran the It's almost fight. like we didn't practice this two minutes ago. Well, what I want to know, Kendall, <laughs> is what you're up to while waiting while we're waiting for you to run for governor. Yeah. Well, I'm just yeah. listening to your I'm listening to the show and governor. Wow, I didn't know. Uh, you know what? Yeah. I'm involved in something um, that I think could have immediate impact, Joe. So first of all, thank you for having me back. You bet. What are you up to? Well, you know, um, my campaign had a, a very strong and positive response. Although we didn't win the election, I think we won the hearts and minds of a lot of folks, especially with our message that, hey, this is still a great country. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your station in life, you can make it. And the yes. American dream still does work. And so we're launched Take Charge um, to uh, really counter the narrative that we're hearing pervasively uh, in our country, especially now that this critical race theory is yeah. beginning to take shape in schools and some corporate organizations, and we're countering the narrative. It's called Take Charge Minnesota. I have the uh, I have the website up, and uh, you intend to counter the narrative that we keep getting from the government, which basically spells out doom and gloom. Well, yeah, it's it's really sad to be quite honest. When you tell thirty million people, you know, Black Americans, that um, you know this country was structured to undermine your progress, it's almost like how how do you train up children and, and to believe that you can make something in your life when you tell them that you can't? That's basically the narrative, and that you can't do it without someone, you know, as a crutch. And that and it's so un, un, number number one is, is untrue. But we have to be careful as Americans because. It, it, under, it undermines the very idea of who we are and what we are as a country. You know, we're, we're not an ethnicity. Uh, we're not like Japanese or Jamaicans or others where we're an ethnicity. Uh, this country is, on, is an idea that you can literally come from another country today, become a citizen, and we embrace you because you embrace the very ideas of the Constitution, the beliefs, and the traditions of the country. And this, this new theory is undermining that very idea. It's very dangerous for our country. Kendall, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's come to this. As part of that new theory, such conventional values as faith, family, discipline, and achievement are merely thought to be affectations of white patriarchy and therefore are to be disdained when in absolute truth they're universal values. Absolutely universal values. And guess what? You know, our initiative is to do very, to do that uh, very thing, Joe. So we're, we're doing, we're, you know, I'm recruiting um, what I call ambassadors to help us permeate this message in the black community. And these they are great ambassadors. These are mothers, um, mothers and grandmothers. And I always said, you know, mothers are a catalyst for change. They change the world. 
and you think about the the, the great um, strict DUI laws that we have right now, I remember growing up as a kid that those laws didn't come down and eat it from Washington, D.C., or the mayor's office or the governor's office. It was mothers against drunk drivers that made that happen. Right. They got tired of seeing their loved ones killed from repeat offenders. Right. Well, in the black community, you know, there's no no greater backbone in the black community than mothers and grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've uh, recruited a cohort of moms that know, that know that in the black community, we didn't used to live like this. This idea that 80, 90% of our neighborhoods are, are fatherless homes, that, ha- that was not the norm. No, no. How, how do you intend to reach children? What will be your forum? What will be your access to people? Well, we're, you know, it's, it's great that we have our social media platform that we do today. That's number one. Number two, um, these mothers and grandmothers, that I, you know, my, my first cohort, we're going to launch this Thursday. And we're going to get other cohorts of women that's going to go out in the community that know better than what, you know, we've had 50 years of this catastrophe, this implosion that has happened in the black community. And, and the message for the black community is going to be returning back to our roots. And those, and those cultural roots are a foundation of faith, family, and education. And we're going to, we're going to focus on those, and they're going to go out in the community, in the schools, they're going to speak to their peers, and I'm going to, they're going to be armed with not only their life stories of how they may have gone off the rails and have they've come back, but also we're going to arm them with the actual statistical facts, facts that like, you know what, um, when, uh, when, when you compare um, marriage to single-parent home to two-parent home, mm-hmm. childhood poverty drops by 80%, regardless of any ethnic group. Um, and all the statistics that relates to high school graduation, jobs, and everything else. So it, this, this is going to be a start of a transformation in the community from the community. We're not asking for any government grants. We're not asking for any political help. In fact, we want politicians to stay out of the way and government to stay out of the way because this is, a, again, a return back to our cultural roots of faith, family, and education. But that's what they're being disabused of. They're being disabused of that notion. I've become fascinated with this over the last couple of years. And to me, what what the left is accomplishing in what I call the failed academy schools is they're telling young people of color, young children of color, we don't expect as much from you as we do from others. To me, that's sinful. They're, they're telling the black child, you are less than. Well, and, that's, and this is why I, I purposefully launched this, this platform. I'm going to do everything in my life to actually launch this, and we're going to make Minneapolis a model to, to actually expand this across the country. We've already getting, we're already getting demands to do this in other, in other cities. But we're starting here, and what we're, here's the vision for this, Joe, is that we could be known as the place where George Floyd was killed in the, in the, on the, in the following riots yep. or the place where the rebirth of the American black family started and, and we're on that road to prosperity, and it starts going across the country. And they go like, when and how did this start? It started right here in Minneapolis. And, you know, to that point, I'm going to push back against this narrative that the government's pushing. Because not only does the narrative with words, we're going, to, we're going to have a multimedia platform. And I have kids that have graduated from Hope Academy, Ascension, Crystal Ray, and other charter schools in Minneapolis, these kids from the same neighborhood, same streets, that's the, you know, that have gone to these Salem schools, 
and they're prospering and they're doing well. We have kids now that are that, you know, five, seven years outside of their graduation that are buying their first homes in St. Louis Park mm-hmm. in Brooklyn Center. Nice. And, nice. and we're going to have profiles of these kids and showing and, and video show this is the formula that, that's the road to success. We have this, the formula, we have the ingredients. Listen to us, don't listen to them. And these mothers are going to, these mothers and grandmothers are going to be actually reinforcing that as well. You are taking on a gargantuan task because essentially you'll be going against the grain of the political class and the academic class. Hey, well, Joe, I've been doing this all my life. Yeah, you have. <laughs> and guess what? I, like I said, you know, in the cafe, look, um, where you start in life is not where you have to stay in life when you've been born in this country. That's the blessings of this country. And second, mm-hmm. if a guy like me can do it, you know, where literally my entire family was collateral damage. And this is the motivation for me, Joe. My entire family was the collateral damage of these failed policies. And I, by God, I am not going to go give, give up this culture up without a fight. Because if I can do this, a kid from Harlem that later lived in a trailer park in Oklahoma can do this. Anyone can. Um, I'm not anyone that's exceptional. I live in an exceptional country. I serve an exceptional God. What can Garage Logic do to help you? Well, you know what it, it is. You know, sessions like this is great. Um, you know, to, you know, just uh, let people know about our about our website at takechargeminnesota.com. Uh, it's takechargemnmikenovember.com. Yep. yep. And and uh, you know, tell the friends, their families, and to, to go to the site. You know, if they want to contribute to help, that's great. We're we're, we're producing videos. This, we're going to be producing videos that's going to go viral, only because. It goes against the, the narrative. Yes. Go ahead, Kenny. Joe, I don't see him as taking on any political um, party at all. I see him, Kendall, what I see you doing is completely sidestepping politics, ignoring it, and doing what needs to be done. And I don't see why this won't be a huge, huge success and a hit and all all we need is inspiration and, and cheering on and guidance and help. And I was going to echo the same thing. Anything that we can do at the show or GLers can do, you have to let us know um, because all of us are more than willing to do whatever it takes to take our city back. Yes, and, and we and you know what? We can. And, and, you, and here's the thing. There, there is nothing more inspirational to see these mothers and grandmothers saying that we're going to make this change because we, mer- we didn't used to live like this. We're going to get back to our cultural foundation. If you know, if you if you follow, if you remember it, the Vince Lombardi story. This is a football story. Getting back to the basics. That's exactly what we're going to do. To your yeah. point, it's not political. We're focusing on cultural changes that we 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 know we can do. Um, people yeah. say, "Well, how can you do that?" Well, guess what? I remember when I, I used to, you know I. When I first started my career, they, when I got on the plane, they would they used to ask me, "Do you want to sit in the smoking section or non-smoking section?" We can change culture. Yeah, a lot of yep. nothing ever stays the same. Well, just so you're done with this and accomplish this by the time you do run for governor, <laughs> <laughs> the only request. That's my only caveat. You have to but run you know, for governor. Joe, you know what's going to get him in the governor's seat is this program yeah. succeeding. Him proving to both parties that this is what it takes. I don't see any reason why both parties sh- shouldn't be paying attention and encourage, uh, encouraging and cheering Kendall on. I, I, I cannot see a reason 
why both parties shouldn't be behind this. Chris, Kendall, what did you Kendall, say? based on your life and based on your campaign and based on the sense you made, I believe every single word you're saying, and I believe you're entirely sincere about this. Uh, absolutely sincere. You know what? Look, I'm not. I'm not looking to run. I wasn't looking necessarily. I'm not a politician. No, nope. I'm not. I'm, I, I, That's I, why we I've like been you. in the business yeah, community. Right. I've been a private. I've been in the private sector my entire life, solving problems. And this is exactly what I'm doing right now. We are better than this as a country. We're better than this as a city. And uh, man, we just we just need to we see, we just need to see a spark that so we can have as a beacon for the rest of the country. Hey, Kendall, I know you're a, f- a frequent listener of the show, but I'm interested to know if you are aware of the Reverend Tim Christopher, and if not. We need to connect you to because his whole mission is basically trying to save the city of Minneapolis, especially on the north side. And families and young men and women. Yep. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, look, please uh, make the connection and, um, you know, t- tell your folks to spread the word. Um, you know, I've already, I'm already, my speaking docket's already getting booked. There's a lot of excitement behind this. Because this is a, a a genuine, you know, non-government drive to get back to the basics of who we are as Americans and who we are as a people. Take yep. charge, Minnesota. It's takechargemn.com. Take charge, MN, one word. You've got to promise us you'll stay in touch so we can know what to do to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if I could just leave you with this, our basic three fundamentals is counter the narrative that this country is unfair to minorities. It's absolutely false. We're going to fight it. Number two is that we're going to restore the two-parent uh, black families like it was um, in when my childhood um, in the 70 to 80% range. And then lastly, education. These kids deserve to get education like it's a civil right. And if they're not getting mm-hmm. it in the public schools, they have a right to get it someplace else. Mm-hmm. You're the man. Good luck. Joe, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Kendall. All right, take care. And Such. I'm excited. I, I'm well, excited for I this guy. See Such, I don't see why both parties wouldn't be behind. Well, we can see why the the, the left might not be behind. Oh, he's taking money out of the pocket of the left here. This is their industry is to keep you down. But all churches of all denominations, small businesses, large businesses, schools, everybody should be jumping on board here. I need to fire a button really quick before we continue. Here's today's ray of hope. My God, did we need that. That was yep. fun. GLers, you got to go to Take Charge Minnesota. Just draw your own conclusion. See what you think of Kendall. I thought he ran a hell of a campaign against Dean Phillips in the 3rd District. He got, got a lot of votes. I'm shocked that he didn't win. You know what? If, if this ends up ultimately succeeding, and I have no doubt that it will, we're going to be glad he lost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because this, you got to run for governor. He does have to run. Right. Wow. That's fantastic. TakeChargeMN.com is the website. I'll provide links on all of our various social media channels. It appeared that he had caught me off guard at the beginning of the show, and it was only because I didn't know we were having him on so soon at the start of the show. So I'm I'm thrilled that we were able to to touch base with with Kendall. So uh, TakeChargeMN.com. Backslash wah wah wah. No. Well, you put the wahs in there and you do the whole thing. And, uh, it but just he is really so- is. He's fighting. He said it. He's fighting the narrative. And the narrative yeah. is that white fools are telling black people you can't make it. Mm-hmm. They're making children less than. No. Not this guy. And then, 
And then those same white fools are telling the other whites that you're racist if you don't get on board with right, us. Right, you can't win with these fools. Oh, my word. You know I what it was? It, yeah. was uh, it was this kind of in a nutshell, uh, what we discussed uh, last week. That's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you uh, have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have voice, the privilege the of. How do and I have the privilege you- of white privilege? <laughs> David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. Uh, Ariva, I hate to break it to you, but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. Oh, God. (laughs) I could listen to that soundbite every single day because it just proves the hypocrisy of it all. The 2020 Groiny Award winner. (laughs) She was. Wow. (laughs) Well, technically, was she the 2019 winner? We gave it to her in 2020. Well, the awards were in 2020. True. She was the 19 winner. You're right. Because we just issued the 2020 winner last week. Which was the year of 2020. Correct. Correct. That won the groin. Uh, I'm, keep, I'm keeping better track. You should I have been better prepped. I think that's prepped. a cop out. I think that's too easy. I think we needed, I still think we need to narrow it down, Joe. Well, then my record keeping has to improve. <laughs> oh. Ooh, sorry. I need that. me I a new really yellow like... legal tablet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Might we take a time out? You want to? Please. We can do that. Yeah. Hey, GLers, save the date for Saturday, February 27th. Spare Key, a nonprofit that helps families in medical crisis, is hope, hosting excuse me, Hope for America, a virtual celebration with exciting surprises, entertainment raffles, and a special live auction. You can join Steve Patterson for My Talk 107.1 and Twin Cities Live, along with other surprise celebrities, in celebrating Spare Key, serving families in all 50 states across America. On Saturday, February 27th at 7 p.m. To register, just head to sparekey.org slash events. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. Is this Dylan? Mm-hmm. He gave us some new jams. Well, I'm going to listen to this for a minute. Almost a little Marshall Tucker band going on here. Think so? Oh, that's wonderful. I'm going to use the same emailer for two clients. Wait, is that legal? It is in my world. (laughs) I'm the mayor. David Chapman writes, Last week a baby shower was held for our daughter Anne in Bloomington. My wife and I left Lincoln, Nebraska for the 420-mile journey. When we left the house, we called Ann and told her to have Red Savoy on hand when we got there. As we walked in the door, our son-in-law, John Schaefer, had placed three large pizzas on the table. It was terrific. Free food is always the best, but Red Savoy is the best pizza in the world. We consider ourselves blessed to have such a wonderful family, a family that knows how to spoil us. Of course, they came up from Nebraska, and what was their caveat? Please have Red Savoy available to nice. us. What, where are they, in Burnsville? No, Bloomington. 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 So let's see, is there a, a Red Savoy in Bloomington? Well, they must there's have a, Apple Valley, right? Would they have there's done? a Red Savoy in Apple Valley, Blaine, Burnsville, Egan, Eden Prairie, Edina, Hugo, Lakeville opening next month, Osseo, Roseville, St. Louis Park, downtown St. Paul, White Bear Avenue in St. Paul, Snelling Avenue on St. Paul, Vadness Heights, and Woodbury. Of course, it's Red Savoy with the original 1965 soda-style 
recipe at every location. The original recipe from the original Red Savoy on 7th Street in St. Paul, it has been soda style, cut in square since 1965. Uh, Download the Red Savoy app. You'll get rewards like free cheese bread on on your first order, a free pizza on your birthday, and access to happy hour pressing. It's uh, pricing. If you have not had a Red Savoy, I'm serious, you're in for a treat. And, you know, if you're going to drive 420 miles uh, up here from Lincoln, Nebraska, and the only thing you want on the table when you walk in the house is a Red Savoy pizza, that tells you something. And I'll be returning to David Chapin's email later in the show. I'm going to guess, depending upon what part of Bloomington they resided in, they either used Edina or uh, Burnsville, don't you think? Well, well, whatever they got there. <laughs> you, you, you can get there. Many GLers wish me to address the idea that uh, the president, uh, Biden, is uh, placing environmental justice at the center of his <laughs> sweeping climate plan. Yep. Uh, he will, he will make tackling America's persistent racial and economic disparities a central part of his plan to combat climate change, prioritizing environmental justice. As part of an unprecedented push to cut the nation's greenhouse gas emissions and create new jobs, Biden will direct agencies across the government to invest in low-income and minority communities that have traditionally borne the brunt of pollution. Hmm. Okay. Biden will sign an executive order establishing a White House Interagency Council on Environmental Justice, create an Office of Health and Climate Equity at the Health and Human Services Department, and form a special separate environmental justice office at the Justice Department. The order also directs the government to spend 40% of its sustainability investments on disadvantaged communities. Okay. Check this out. uh, Yeah. I don't know where to begin, but that, that, is, that is the working language of a careerist on the third rail, isn't it? I mean, Boy, it sure he, is. You know, we're going to create the new Interagency Council. We're going to create the Office of Health and Climate Equity. We're going to form a separate environmental justice office. This comes from years and years and years of experience walking around the Capitol with sheaves of paper in his arm and uh, some busy factotums as his side. Biden really knows how this all works. And uh, does he know deep down that this is B as in B, S as in S? I have no idea. Joe, we're in day seven. Mm -hmm. We got a long ways to go here. Kathleen Kelly, a fellow who focuses on energy, a fellow as in a fellow academic, who focuses on energy and environment at the Center for the American Progress, a liberal think tank, called the expected actions a historic commitment. The executive order will help to lay out a clear path to implementing President Biden's climate and justice commitments. It will get the gears turning in each agency across the federal government. With Biden in the White House and the current leaders we have in Congress, this year represents an unprecedented opportunity to have executive and legislative action. In fact, in a fact sheet released Monday, the White House said the new policies will ensure that we are tapping into the talent, grit, and innovation of American workers. No, you're pretty much canceling their jobs. Revitalizing the U.S. energy sector. No, you just killed the XL pipeline. Conserving our natural resources and leveraging them to help drive our nation toward a clean energy future. Creating well-paying jobs with the opportunity to join a union. And delivering justice for communities who have been subjected to environmental harm. If this, isn't, if this doesn't help euphorians understand that 
climate change is a Trojan horse. And, and from it has poured all of this nonsense that has nothing to do with the environment. Now let's just talk about uh, our poor neighborhoods uh, really more susceptible to pollution than other neighborhoods. Well, uh, that's something I'm willing to buy, at least listen to anyway. I can uh, see that. I, I am too, that. but I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the pollution, so-called pollution, that I've encountered in my life, and it hasn't made any difference where I lived. I grew up smelling the South St. Paul stockyards. Maybe that's not called pollution that would have affected the climate. Uh, I've grown up in my life smelling uh, refineries, depending on which way the wind blows. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I, I've, I'm old enough to have grown up when we were, uh, when in the finest neighborhoods, homes had incinerators and were burning their garbage. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm <clears throat> I guess what you want me to understand, Biden, is you wish to paint a picture of destitution on the wrong side of the railroad tracks and a, and a heartless uh, steel plant uh, belching smoke and coal into the backyard of a bus driver. You are forgetting, I, I guess that's what they want. You are forgetting one massive thing, though, in your lifetime hmm. that you have forgot to mention in here. Yeah. Because it's not smell radio. That's you were right, part, of smell radio. Smell radio. part of smell radio. Uh, Such what I pictured in my <laughs> mind's eye when, uh, when you read that was the area of I-94, between I-94 and the river along the north side, from Broadway all the way up into uh, Lower Brooklyn Center. Okay. You know, that industrial area. Oh, right, um, yeah. Affordable, cheap, cruddy houses uh, and the like there. Uh, that's what I was picturing. Um, well, to the people and, who live there, they're not cruddy. They're, right. It's their home. It's home, right. Uh, and I don't... I, I don't know what should be done, if anything. I don't know. In fact, we have a mole that leaked some of the quotes uh, that came out of Mr. Carey's mouth today. Are you ready for some of them? Mm -hmm. The Paris Accord. I can't do a good John Kerry. No, don't even try. The Paris Accord is not enough. Uh, we are going to establish the Office of Environmental Justice. Quote, we need to deal with this now before it's too late. The, well, the Paris Accord is a device by which wealth from the United States will be distributed around the world. Next. And this is the final quote that I'm receiving from our mole, Corey. I mean, uh, Steve. The crisis is in good hands to help communities that need environmental justice. <laughs> environmental justice. Hold on, hold on. You know, we had eight storms uh, last year, which cost America well more than eight, eight than a billion dollars per storm yeah. yep. okay. it's far yep. cheaper to recognize what's coming and cure the problem ahead of time don't Hell see yes. what the problem is joe yes yes see the problem storm. with the term the problem with the term environmental justice is it's the equivalent of a class that cannot be flunked uh, it can right. mean yeah. it it can mean anything its purveyors wish it to mean so therefore it's meaningless it has no foundation. There is nothing to stand on there. Environmental justice are, are buzzwords that can mean anything that the purveyors of it wish it to mean. It could mean, it can mean, well, I'll just keep saying it. it can mean anything they want it to mean. And it can result in changes uh, 
to free Americans that have nothing to do with the environment. None of this. I've been begging you people to understand this. None of this has anything to do with the environment. This is all about money. This is all about redistribution. It's all about the wealth of America getting spread out across the world so that a corrupt dictator in some African country can have 14 more Mercedes-Benzes while he's pretending to make his uh, country sustainable. It's, it's all nonsense. It's nonsense. That reminds me, Kenny, remember how we were going to start a carbon credit company a couple of years ago? Yeah. We never got I around guess, to that, did we? I, I, think, I don't think it's too late. Such, what we, we discussed, <laughs> I think it was yesterday we discussed, or maybe Monday, the, the, what a joke the Paris Accord is. It's a folly and uh, doesn't really do anything or have any power. Y- you say it's a, a great way to steal wealth from Americans. I don't disagree with that. But what I am disappointed in... I don't know if I'm disappointed or happy. First of all, Kerry and the left, with that statement, him saying the Paris Accord is not enough. What I heard John Kerry saying is the Paris Accord is a joke and we know it. Well, um, I, I would love to have that know. attitude about Kerry, but I don't. I believe he believes what he said. I, I don't. So you think he, 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 they deep down know and think and truly believe that the Paris Accord is, in fact, a useful tool and not a complete joke and a sham and just a political instrument to shout and scream and take our money. Okay, I would answer it this way. I think it's uh, it's uh, one of the ultimate echelons of the salon and the likes of Carrie uh, enjoy belonging to it uh, and would be seen as some sort of uh, rough and ready outsider, an outlier, a cowboy. If you didn't belong to it, you were one of the deplorables. But if you're in the salon, welcome to our Paris Climate Accord because we we are really the uh, we're really the top echelon of the thinkers in this world. And uh, never mind that I have my hand in your pocket, Carrie, because uh, we're going to get your money. This has nothing to do with the environment. This is the ultimate. This is the executive club level of the salon. This is a private suite in the salon. That's it. That's it. Oh my. It's the executive That's club it. level of the salon. And to follow that up, did you guys know? Because right now, speaking on uh, CNN is Biden. Biden's national climate advisor. Her name is Gina McCarthy, and right. she says that quote. Climate change is the most significant public health challenge of our time. Well, now, wait a minute. I thought the virus was. I thought that started back in March. I'm a little confused here. Oh, my goodness gracious. I know one thing. If you hate yourself because you drive a gas or diesel vehicle, you need to cut Kenny and Chris a check, and I'll plant your bitchin' tree. I-, I promise. Right. My neighbor has a maple tree that drops 5 million helicopters every spring. I'll sweep those SOBs up, and I'll put them in the ground and grow a maple for you. Uh, maples are scrub trees. <laughs> yeah, it's a tree. It's get a them an old tree, or a birch or something. Get you a tree. Uh, I can something get you. easy that grows with a weed. It'll, these maple trees will grow in your gutter. Come so, on. We're, fellas, yeah. we're in day seven so far of this, right, of this administration. And when is it going to start, uh, when I go to Quick Trip, when's it going to start costing me five and a quarter for a gallon of gas? Well, let's, talk about, let's talk about that. Because uh, it's coming. Because every once in a while, I try to put what... To myself, I, I, I try to put my thoughts in context. For example, we're all in agreement that we think this is a boondoggle. 
I hope we're all in agreement. Of course. Uh, we're, we're all in agreement that none of these actions taken, these development of, of new offices, the expansion of government, the bringing in of more bureaucrats, we're all essentially in agreement that it has nothing to do with the environment. So therefore, the next question will be, is it reasonable, is it reasonable to presume that our lives are about to change as a result of this. So let's now think of the ways our lives have changed since environmental activists have increasingly had the ear of presidential administrations with the exception of the Trump administration. Environmental activists had the ear of the Clinton administration. They certainly had the ear of two uh, Obama terms. Then they didn't have the ear of Trump and now they have the ear of Biden again. Okay, how have our lives changed uh, by the environmental activists uh, having their way with three out of the four last presidential terms? Well, the, I can come up with a few things, and I, I'm not being uh, facetious about it. Uh, they changed the way gas cans operate, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, gas cans have become impossible to use and have resulted in more waste than a conventional gas can. Okay, what else have they done? They've resulted in different blends of gasoline, uh, but we're still moving about. Uh, help me. What, 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 how have our lives been impacted uh -huh. by this grandiose BS? How have our lives been in impacted? Stay with me. They have created an illegal market for catalytic converters. Oh, my God, you're right. Okay. Uh, you're right, Kenny. They have created um, the needless, like we say every day, it seems like, the, the mining of the nickel and the lead and the damage that it does globally, even though it's not allowed here in the United States, we're going to be one of the biggest users. Uh, and, and they do not acknowledge the damage that that does the environment and that you can't throw away. Can you recycle a battery? You can't, no. can you? No, but get back to the question of how, Kenny, has environmentalism impacted your life? Huh? I, I guess um, I'll preface that by well, saying... All of their talk has not resulted in much. Wait, is that a ray of hope? No, no. Wait, wait. Follow me on this one. Wouldn't this be, couldn't you conclude that light rail has been a result of this? Because the whole mission behind light rail was to get more cars off of the street, more people being able to use that as their daily a source of transportation, which has done nothing but increase the rate of crime in both downtowns. Yeah, it's a boondoggle, that's for sure. Okay, you guys, you guys, you guys keep twisting my question, so oh, I'm no, going to hop. No, I, I I'm going to hop. Over, quiet. I'm going to hop over the fence and come to your side because okay. my question was how is an, how my question was how has environmental activism been detrimental? Oh. But but that's more accurate to look at, I guess, than I gotcha. how has environmentalism been more detrimental to me? I still have a, I can still pour gas in my lawnmower. I can still buy gas for my car. I can still have a boat. I can still have a weed trimmer. Is, do I face a future where that will all be outlawed? Do I face a future where these Mysterians will control the temperature of my house? Because that hasn't happened. That hasn't happened. No, but I you, get the shaming letter was, every month from Excel Energy Center. I was just going to mm -hmm. say that, but you do get the shaming letter. Yeah, They've made dirt bikes spineless, uh, four-stroke dirt bikes spineless. You have to do a, a lot of after-work, uh, excuse me, aftermarket 
add-ons and changes and whatnot to make a a four-stroke dirt bike competitive. Well, we couldn't sell dirt bikes for a while. If you remember that, what we went through, uh, because they had lead, and it was it was feared that children would eat the lead. So I, I guess you that know, painted a cartoon bubble of children chewing on dirt bike batteries. And ironically enough, the person that ha- helped out this state, Amy, Amy. Well, yeah, we had her on the she air. She was still one of us. Yeah. yeah, we had her on the air and said, Amy, you. you you got dirt bikes sitting on showroom floors. These guys are starving. You got to sell them. Well, well, anyway, uh, this is this is just. Uh, I wonder if she'd do the same thing today. No, no, she's on Team Biden now. She's on Team Biden. You know, and Team Biden has has the reins now, so Team Biden gets to exercise these these dramatic changes, and they're dramatic because environmentalism had the ear of Clinton. Environmentalism had the ear of Obama. Environmentalism. Uh, to a certain extent, even had the ear of George W. Environmentalism did not have the ear of Trump, and now environmentalism has the ear of Biden. One more, one more quote. Yeah. John Kerry was asked uh, what his message would be to oil and gas workers who, quote, see an end to their livelihoods. Okay. Oh. His response, are you ready for this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What President Biden wants to do is make sure that those folks have better choices that they can be the people to go to work to make the solar panels. <laughs> There's your mindset right there in a nutshell of the left. How sustainable is energy that you have to keep sustaining? Whoa. How sustainable is energy that you have to keep subsidizing in order to keep claiming it's sustainable? Wow, that's a great point. Well, I'm a, you know, I didn't know I was going to be as good as <laughs> You know, How sustainable is solar when, from the very get-go, it has to be subsidized by the government and will continue to be subsidized? Therefore, how is sustainable? How how is solar energy sustain, sustainable if you have to keep paying more and more for it to be proven? Yeah. The sun's not out right now, by the way. No, but DK Mags is open. <laughs> Thank <That's right>. God. <laughs> oh, oh. Just remember that, GLers, when you're filing those taxes before April. Was it last well, year we got a break on our taxes and we didn't have to do them until July? Yes. Because right. of the COVID? Because of the pandemic, yep. But this year, are we back to April 15th? Oh, guaranteed, yes. Mm. They want that money now. Mm-hmm. Or in my case, yesterday. Sorry, uh, Kenny. I did read an interesting piece, Such, speaking of... Um, fossil fuels and power from the sun about the Coke factory down in Rosemont. Yep. Did you see that piece? Uh, help me. I think it was in the business section, if I remember right. Do I even have it here? Aren't the workers um, on strike? No, it wasn't about that. It was about how the Coke plant, they own a lot of acreage right west of the plant, and they're going to put in a huge, huge solar farm and use that electricity to offset the amount of electricity they have to buy in order to do the refining process. I'm familiar with that area, Ken. Which part? Like north, south, well, east? Just west of, they own all those farm fields and everything, just west okay. of the factory. I know exactly where that is. East yeah. would be 52. I think there used to be, yeah. actually, wasn't there a munitions factory there in World War II back in that area? Anyway, uh, I, I, I might be possible. thinking about a different I, spot. In no, you're thinking of Rosemount. Yeah. 
It was a munitions factory. So, but it was a very, and they're not, it's not 100% yet. They're just exploring it. But there was an interesting piece in the Star Tribune today that I read about that. I forgot to send this to you earlier, Joe, but I knew that um, that President Biden and John Kerry and all this nonsense was going to come up. Did you see the story from the Associated Press on the, uh, on the threat that Israel had issued yesterday? No, no. You ready for this headline? This is from the Associated Press. Israeli Lieutenant General Aviv Kohavi warned yesterday that Israel is preparing a military strike on Iran if the Biden administration moves forward and rejoins the Iran nuclear deal. In a speech at Tel Aviv University's Institute for National Security Studies, sounds like ain't, uh, Kohavi, who serves as Israel's military chief, said that returning to the deal would allow Iran to move forward with its nuclear weapons program, Great, which would cause an unacceptable threat and will lead to nuclear proliferation across the region. That is from mm-hmm. the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. Kenny, your mic's mm-hmm. muted. Yeah. Uh, that, ran, that piece also ran today, uh, A4 in the Star Tribune. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fascinating piece. Wow. And boy, they buried it. They buried it because that should be front page. That should be the national headline across the country, don't you think? So does that mean when Israel does that, or where does that put their standing, Such, with us, an ally? I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. I don't know. That's, um, that's a bit frightening. There's all sorts of little sideboard, uh, side uh, bar stories like that on a wide variety of issues that have cropped up here in the last week. All I know is that every American, not just half the country, every American should be awakened to the idea that our climate is not in crisis. Nope. It is not in crisis. But, Joe, we can't wait any longer. But every American, we can't, we can't be so divided that the left believes the climate is in a crisis and the right does not. We have to reach some common ground here to understand that the climate is not in crisis and that humans cannot change nature. And what evidence do we have that nature would be better served if you could get the temperature to a certain degree that it was prior to the Industrial Revolution? The only thing that's happened since the Industrial Revolution is life expectancies have risen, diseases have been conquered, poverty's been eradicated, uh, uh, relatively speaking. What what crisis are you talking about? And, And... it, it drives me crazy. These people are insane. That's the part that I guess bothers me more than anything. It's not that there's now 742,000 members of, of Joe Biden's environmental justice program, but it's the fact that half the country believes this nonsense. So, so I went insane with this very thing early on today, Such, because trending on Twitter uh, was uh, something, a headline, something along the lines of... Uh, Lake Tahoe about to get walloped with record snow, but which happens about every five years. But it's never going to happen again. No, this we're going to run out of snow. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've had a low snow year out there, uh, and they're about to get walloped. But they use this as an opportunity to tell us that the doom 
is on the horizon. So I went and looked up the uh, records, and thanks to the railroad, the records go all the way back uh, for Donner Pass to the creation of the uh, Transcontinental Railroad. You're going back to about 1850, aren't you, in those records? Yep. And, uh, And it's funny because... They've had some extremely low snow years. I oh, mean, yeah. really, really bleak, and all the way back into the 1800s. Right. And then they've also had years like the following year where they just get walloped. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but they ignore all that data. <laughs> so what Frat should do is open up a shop down there just, and just have snowblowers? Snowblowers and lawnmowers because yeah. it's going to be one or the other. <laughs> Climate change is a Trojan horse used to bring about more and more collectivist collectivist ideas. It's used it's going to be used more and more incrementally because again, so far you can't really point to a lot of things in your life that have changed. But it's going to be used more and more to bring about a collective idea of living. And it will be used more and more to change behavior to make the American population more malleable to what the government or the state has in store for you. Because the salon knows best. And, and uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beard. Climate change is a beard for what's really happening. And what's really happening are these incremental changes in behavior in the institutional idea that we would be better off as collectivists that we should all be together in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, together it together in what? Together mm-hmm. in what? In the belief that uh, unless we abandoned fossil fuels, which there goes the economy and there goes the country, which the Mysterians wish to bring about, we'll be better off then? How will we eat? How will we clothe ourselves? How will we work? How will we work? They have a very dystopian future in mind, and it has nothing to do with the average American. And that's why the average American from both sides of the aisle have to come together, because we're both being played. We're both being played. And euphorians, you have got to come to the realization that climate change is nothing but a disguise for ulterior, ulterior motives. It has nothing to do with what the temperature is supposed to be. Was the temperature supposed to be 47 degrees on this day in 1934? I don't know. But who cares? It was. Was it supposed to be 23 below in 1950? How come if we're warming so dramatically, no modern-day records for warm winter days are being established, or very few? I invest $27 a year in my Freshwater Society, weather calendar and the records go yeah. way back and that's where i bring you these daily records yeah. and again 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 i'm not that dumb yeah i'm, I'm well, yeah i am i'm pretty dumb but well. so i know that because it was 47 <laughs> degrees in 1934 i'm not attempting to prove anything by pointing that out what it does to me is it, it provides the comforting notion that nature's on its own Nature's doing what it wants to do. It has nothing to do with you. Because in 1934, I guarantee you, industry was a lot more polluting than it is today. Oh, no question. Just thinking back in my own record keeping, one year, uh, my son and I rode our dirt bikes uh, in February. And then a week later, went out to the Bighorns and rode our snowmobiles. Yeah. The very following year, we rode our snowmobiles all the way through April. 
<laughs> so, you know. Well, Joe, didn't you play golf in December this year? Uh, not this year. I did thought, I? I thought you Maybe did. I did. Maybe we, I did. Remember, did. we didn't yeah. get yeah. a significant snowstorm until, what, Christmas Eve? That yeah. was one of those days where Such said, uh, boys, tomorrow we're starting at 9 a.m. you got to be on the course at 11.30. That's right. <laughs> boy, there's a lot of that coming up, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, uh, the other day I said, and I, I tried to be very calm about it, but I said we were being advised, even by the likes of the Fauci level of science, that we should wear three masks. I'm sorry, two masks. Two, yeah, right. two masks, to which I wondered, well, isn't that the same as telling me then that you've, you're, you're really indicating to me that one was pointless to begin with? And I said, what, what's going to happen with another variant? Are we going to have to wear three masks? Citing researchers at Virginia Tech, CNBC said that oh, experts no. are now advising we wear three face masks in order to fight COVID-19. <laughs> I cannot make it up as fast as I need to. Wow. Uh, why stop at three? Virginia Tech researchers found an increased efficacy by 50 to 75% before announcing uh, three masks will, uh, will take care of 90% of the po- uh, particles. So experts say we... Uh, we might as well just live in a giant bubble then. Uh, this printer failed me to print this story accurately, but I read it. And uh, we have experts now in the failed academy who are suggesting that we wear three masks. Uh, That's the whole risk factor thing you've been talking about for the past couple of months. That's mm-hmm. what that is. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. saw this on Twitter, but yesterday, um, one of the most reliable news sources on Twitter, which is my favorite, The Onion, um, they said that the <laughs> CDC recommends also wearing a face mask on the back of your head just in case the coronavirus attacks from the rear, which I think is really, really yeah. good advice. Yeah. Well, I was going to tell Such, I've actually taken Fauci's advice. I do have two masks on, one, one up here on, on top and one, one, down, down, one down there, just, just in case. Wow. <laughs> like a drip pan. Well, hail the flashlight, King. Hail you. Hail you, Joe. Hail you. <laughs> Joe, on yesterday's podcast, during your discussion about the stranglehold of the teachers' union, the, the, about the stranglehold the teachers' union has on Governor Walls, Reavers made a comment that I wholeheartedly disagree with. Oh. It was something along the lines of, why aren't they just allowing teachers to be number one in line to be vaccinated? Who would object to that? I object. Before listeners jump to the conclusion that I have a disdain for teachers, that statement cannot be farther from the truth. I am married to a beautiful teacher. Today at my wife's school, any teacher who wants it is getting vaccinated. On the other side of the coin, my beloved 72-year-old stepfather, who is a decorated Marine Special Forces veteran, having served multiple tours in Vietnam, is still waiting on a vaccine. Not to mention he is in a very high-risk category, partly due to pre-existing conditions earned from his service to this country. As this 72-year-old Marine has been quarantined, teachers in their 20s are lining up in lockstep to receive a vaccine because they are essential. Yet their union apparently feels they can do their job from home. So are they essential? What about the cashier at the grocery store or the UPS driver delivering essentials to our homes? The differences between the two aforementioned groups and teachers is that they do not have a powerful union who has walls on speed dial. Shame on walls in the teachers' union for putting their constituents ahead of Minnesotans who actually need the vaccine. 0.81% of COVID deaths in this country are from people 65 and older, and he 
provided the statistic. Why aren't we concentrating our vaccines there? P.S. My wife is not part of the corrupt Minnesota Teachers Union, and she makes it along just fine. Full pension and benefits. If GLers are looking for more info on leaving the union, the Center for, Exper- Center for the American Experiment has a lot of resources. Good luck and God bless, God bless Ulysses from Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia. Oh. Oh, might I, might I add a rebuttal? I don't disagree with anything he said, but I, I don't recall saying that they should be first in line. What I said was, why, don't, why aren't they lumped in with you know, frontline workers? For instance, my wife got a vaccine two weeks ago today, and she said I don't, she felt guilty getting one mm-hmm. because you guys know her. She's about the healthiest person we know, and she felt yeah. guilty getting one instead of a 72-year-old uh, ex-Marine that he was laying out in his email. There is a piece in today's Star Tribune, too, Joe, today, bottom of the fold, Minnesota section, lower left, teachers file claim over lack of talks. And it's about the war between the Minnesota Teachers Union and uh, Minneapolis Public Schools. Well, let's stay with that for a moment. The governor has unveiled an incredibly large budget, $52.4 billion budget with $745 million more for education, there being no evidence that money spent equals academic achievement, be that as it may, wouldn't your first priority be to get these teachers back in school? You want us to pay, Walls, $745 million more while you are owned by the Teachers Association who won't let the teachers, in many cases, back in school. Right. Yep. The Chicago Teachers Association is threatening to go on strike rather than go back to school. So don't tell me these people are heroes. Let me repeat, I am not denigrating teachers. But you are you are run by a union that runs this state of Minnesota. And so here he's won seven hundred and almost a billion dollars more for education. It's already half the state's budget. Mm-hmm. And you people aren't even teaching. You're not in school. So don't tell me we're all in this together. It sounds like the letter writer uh, wife might be in school somewhere. Some schools are open, right? It depends on the district. Yes, but you should backtrack. They are teaching because you said they're not teaching. Well, from home. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's BS. That doesn't work. Just to cover you from, okay. But that doesn't work. But Walls, get your act together. You want $745 million more of our money for a group of people who won't even work. And pass off this remote learning is working. B as in B, S as in S. I'd like to know how many households it works for. One out of 30? One out of 70? Oh, I don't even know. Julie Rosen said it right. She's got it. State finance chairwoman Judy Rosen from Fairmont called Waltz's budget unsustainable. We have a spending problem with this government, she said, who is proposing a 5% cut across all state agencies, excluding human services programs that provide direct care and those for veterans. She plans to to target administration and operating expenses in the state government. She's actually going after the third rail. Good. Good Mm -hmm. for her. Joe, getting caught up in some podcasts and hearing your comments about the double masking that is being proposed and how it makes you feel like we're being treated like children, that comment really has resonated with me. It made me think of a quote from the great author C.S. Lewis. He addresses how the political elite are doing us a favor without realizing that it can be oppressive and the message is very condescending. Here's the C.S. Lewis quote, which I'm familiar with. Of all tyrannies, 
a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleek, sleep, his cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go to heaven, yet at the same time likelier to make a hell of earth. This very kindness stings with intolerable insult. To be cured against one's will and cured of states which we may not regard as disease as to be put on a level of those who have not yet reached the age of reason or those who never will. To be classed with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals. P.S. Please tell Patrick to never pick the Packers again. His, <laughs> his record of picking games ranks right up there with your record of political candidates as guests on your show. Oh, that's such a perfect comparison. <laughs> this comes to us from uh, Iowa, and he says, Thanks again, Reavers. I love the GL flag. Nice. I was actually pulling for the pack that day. What? What's don't wrong tell, with you? Don't I tell was too. that. I was too. I really wanted them to win. I'm going back to my email. From David Chapin from Lincoln, Nebraska, who ordered and received Red Savoy Pizza. Mm -hmm. The next morning, people gathered for the shower, some in person and some via Zoom conference. We would dream of breaking, we wouldn't dream of breaking any rules. John and I made plans for our escape from the aunts, cousins, and sisters. As soon as my brother Justin and his son, 10 year old Max, walked in the door, we explained we were making a run. Max was confused and wanted to know where we were going. We told him Grunhofer's to get real meat. He said if we were getting real meat, then what is fake meat? John told him that fake meat is Slim Jim and gas station jerky. <laughs> when we arrived at Grunhofer's in Hugo, we loaded up. The first stop was to make sure they weren't out of town ball meatloaf. They had plenty, so we loaded up. Then Justice and I, Justin and I got 12 packs of brats. Tater tot hot dish brats, Kentucky bourbon brats, maple brats, the family favorites, whiskey, peppercorn, and several others. When we got back to Ann and John's, we arrived just as the party was ending. Perfect timing. My wife Sue and I loaded the car and headed 420 miles back home. A great had by all, especially the trip to Grunhofer's. We enjoyed the meatloaf when we got home. Now we're hearing we just missed out on getting the latest variety of meatloaf with wild rice. Thankfully, Ann is due in a few weeks, and another trip to Minnesota is on the horizon. So again, another pleased out-of-state customer for Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, right on Highway 61, now featuring a third meatloaf in the lineup, the Minnesota meatloaf, with mushrooms and wild rice and also for you uh soup chefs they got everything you need all kinds of them bones apparently you gotta have them great big ugly bones mm -hmm. you gotta have an oxtail you gotta have a beef shank and a smoked and fresh pork hock you joe, gotta have a ham shank how would pork you, neck bones how would you prepare an oxtail bone joe i'd stick that sucker right in the pot yep. of boiling water and then hope it became soup i don't know what i would add to it <laughs> Well, I would just put a big hot there you go. Throw in a her big in there. pot, turn it up to high, and said, Soup's on! And it'd be like drinking water. wiener water. Everybody, it'd be like wiener water soup. Everybody grab a spoon. <laughs> Get a spoon and dig in here. No, but the great chefs know what they're doing, and the great chefs go to Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo, right on Highway 61. Oh. 
University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Loving these new bumps. Yeah, he did a really good right. job. Yeah. Seafoam is a wonderful product in a world of bad gas, and here is my personal seafoam story of the week, and it does not reflect good on me, of course. Uh, so last winter, last spring, I put uh, one of my sleds, I put it away for the season absolutely the wrong way with gas in it. My mechanic always advises me to drain the tank and the float bowls. Sound advice. I actually do it on my vintage sleds, but not on the new ones. All I did was I dumped in a bunch of sea foam in the almost empty tank, ran it for a few minutes, shut her down and threw the cover on it. Done! Uh, and then last weekend, I pulled the sled out, dumped an ounce or so uh, of gas into each of the three cylinders, through the spark plug holes, started running right away, stayed running on the first pull. I added five gallons of gas, a healthy dose of sea foam, took her out, stretched the cables. She didn't bark or hesitate once. Nice. Another seafoam success story. And lucky for us, this stuff is available all over everywhere. So getting it home and putting it to work is as easy, oh, I don't know, it's as easy as buying a loaf of bread. I mean, that's how available it is. And for those GLers that only use it in small engines, you've got to dump some in the gas of your vehicle. It's going to keep the injectors, or even if it's an older vehicle, the jets clean, and it's, it'll increase your mileage and keep that baby out of the shop. And it doesn't matter if it's an old classic or a brand new hot rod. It's a wonderful, wonderful product in a world of bad gas. It's Seafoam. People hear me say the teachers should be back in school and the teachers' unions keep balking. And people are thinking, well, that's just coming from a podcast host who has no bleeping idea what he's talking about. Well, how about this? A review of data from the K-12 schools that reopened for in-person instruction in the fall has found little evidence that schools contributed meaningfully, meaningfully to the spread of COVID-19, according to a new article published Tuesday in the Journal of American Medicine. The review from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, authored by three of its scientists, represents the clearest view yet of the facts, what has become a heated debate over when and how schools should reopen. Last spring and into fall, schools across the country closed, and many remain closed, out of fear that allowing students and staff to return to school buildings would drive community-wide spread of the virus. The CDC report says data from reopened classrooms show that the type of rapid spread that was frequently observed in congregate living facilities or high-density work sites has not been reported in educational settings at school. Meanwhile, evidence mounts of the social, emotional, and academic toll remote learning has taken on children, especially in already vulnerable, low-income communities. You can be back in school, and if Walls had a set on him, he would confront Minnesota Education Association and say, stop your B as in B, S as in S. If you think you're so essential, then get your people back in school. Let's go here. I'm asking no, for 745 more million, and you people won't even work. This is the CDC. This isn't the mayor of Garage Logic. This is experts. You said if he had a set on him. Well, Joe, he's he's their mouthpiece. Right. I mean, he's their he's their publicist, their propaganda chief. 
Among the school systems cited in the review were 11 North Carolina districts serving more than 90,000 kids and staff. During a nine-week period, researchers found just 32 infections acquired in school compared to 773 cases of students and staff infected outside school. None of those 32 in-school transmissions involved students infecting teachers or staff. Wow. Wow, that is a stark figure. Wow. And here's my question, Joe, as you're reading those stats, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so check this out. And I love our school that my boys are in. But my kindergartner goes to school in class uh, twice a week. My, uh, my oldest does not. They're inseparable. They're around each other all the time. And most families you know, aren't, aren't one child families. So if my kindergartner can be in class and up to second grade can be in class, what's the difference between that and up to sixth grade or up whatever? Why are we just arbitrarily picking, oh, yeah, this, these two grades are okay, but this grade's what, – what are we doing here? I got a sophomore in high school, an eighth grader, a sixth grader, a third grader, and a preschool. They're all in school, and knock on wood, they're all healthy. Right. Well, Chris, to answer your question, which I can't, uh, <laughs> at least his inconsistency is consistent. Perfect. Because yes. that's his that's his plan across the board with COVID. Big box stores, you stay open. Little stores, shutting you down. I forget who put out a picture. It might have been Matt Burke, but it's had a, an airplane, right? Packed airplane. And there's the stewardess walking down the aisle and said... Uh, flight attendant, please. Sorry, flight attendant. Uh, walking down the aisle and it says... This is okay, and then it showed an empty church. This is not, and right. I thought, perfect. Right. You know, you're on a flight with 400 rand, and don't give me the air intake system crap. But you're on that flight for what two, three hours, and you're in yeah. mass for an hour tops. You should be Every in three. Ma- you should be in one. three masks. <laughs> yeah, right. <sighs> not even. Former Presidents George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Thomas Jefferson are safe from the cancel culture. They are among a list of historical figures whose names will be removed from San Francisco's public schools, following a 6-1 vote by the school board Tuesday. Washington and Jefferson were slave owners, and Lincoln, who ended slavery, became controversial because critics claim he oppressed indigenous people. The presidents were among a long list of men and women whose namesake schools will soon be renamed. Others on the list include Francis Scott Key, who wrote the words to the national anthem. Former presidents William McKinley, James Garfield, James Monroe, and Herbert Hoover. Revolutionary war hero Paul Revere and the Raiders. And author Robert Louis Stevenson, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Even an elementary school named for the current U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein will be changed over allegations that she replaced a damaged Confederate flag outside of City Hall when she was the city's mayor in 1986. She didn't replace the flag after it was pulled down a second time. Historical figures have come under a sharp focus since anti-racism protests swept the country with some protesters ripping down Confederate statues, but also those of figures like Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, and others they deemed offensive. Mayor London Breed rebuked the plan as offensive, saying the school board should be focused on reopening schools closed during the pandemic rather than naming them. This will cost four hundred grand, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
re replacing the signage at 40, 44 schools will cost four hundred grand, according to the courthouse oh. news. The price tag could go up to around one million for schools to get new activity uniforms, repaint gymnasium floors. The district is facing a budget <laughs> deficit. While the board focused on renaming schools in the Tuesday meeting, it did not discuss reopening the schools oh. due to the pandemic. <laughs> Other critics complained the panel that reviewed the appropriateness of school names used little input from historians. It did not put the figures into a historical context or weigh their contributions against their failings. Others argued the research process was thin relying on selective sources and using websites like Wikipedia. In the case of Roosevelt Middle School, it wasn't clear if the board even knew which former President Roosevelt it was named for, but decided to have it removed anyway. Board member Mark Sanchez called this a moral message. It's a message to our families, our students, and our community. It's not just symbolic, he said. Board member Kevin uh, Kavine Bagas, who supported the resolution, suggested schools shouldn't be named after anyone. We should not make heroes out of mortal folks, he said. I think we need to examine our naming policies across the district and really consider how the way we go about naming schools reflects our true values. Wow. Okay, what are your true values? <sighs> right. There's right. the question that needs to be answered. What yeah. are your true values? Welcome to Alexandria Occasional Cortex Elementary School. Your true value, then, you're leaving me to arrive at a conclusion. Your true value must be that you accept nothing that is not put into modern context and vernacular. And you are willing to completely scrub the history of the country. That's your value. Yep. And if that's your value, you are the wrong person for the job. You are a moral empty suit. You yeah. are a moron. You are an uneducated dunderhead that can not only not look to the past, you can't look to the future. You are a poop. <laughs> Just a poop. Poopy pants. You're a poopy pants. Am I doing the show with my kids now? Yeah. Mr. Poop. <laughs> By the way, I got a note from uh, uh, Murray who said, Joe, I just attended a Midway Chamber of Commerce event with John Thompson, new to the St. Paul legislature. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. He is nuts and very unwise, also a racist. He was worried about our skin color. I'm sad for St. Paul. I don't know in what context. Well, John I'd like Thompson to hear more was, about that. Yeah, I yeah. would too. Murray, send me more, please. Send me more, 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 more. Are those uh, available either online or do they capture those usually via video? What? The, the, the meetings that he's talking about. I don't know. Oh. I already deleted the damn thing. <laughs> Let me look. No. Here no, we I go. I got it back. Here what we was go. it? He, uh, Midway Chamber. See if it's online. Midway yeah. Chamber of Commerce event. All right. I'm going to do it right now. Midway. I'll print that out so I remember it. Commerce event. I don't know. I don't know what determines what goes online or not. I don't know how that works. Uh, virtual legislative summit would that have been it? What does it say? Where? Oh, wait, no, Chris? That, that's that's today. That's today. This well, is up, it was today. This is upcoming events. Uh, I believe he's referring to the fact that this might have occurred today. It's dated January twenty seventh. Right. Uh, we'll go to this week. How's that sound? That's fine. We're gonna leave this in the broadcast, fellow. 
No. Virtual, Can we take, was it a virtual legislative summit? Is that what he was talking he about? He doesn't tell me what the event was. I gotcha. Okay. Such. Such. Trying what? to Such. Trying to help. Is the sun up? Did it come out? No. Sun. So it's daylight out. The sun is up. It's just not shining. But just rest not assured. seeing it. Shining or not, dkmags.com. They are open for business on Old 8 in New Brighton. Uh, I was talking earlier in the week about this disturbing piece that both Joe and I was sent about the new administration. They want to enact new plans for firearm purchasers. It includes a 13-page, very convoluted application, uh, fingerprints, photo ID, a $200 tax. That's where they're going to get you. They're trying to scare you off with the $200 tax. And yeah, we acknowledge it it will be difficult, hopefully difficult to push through, especially with all the uh, new... You know that 8.4 million people are bought firearms last year? These mm-hmm. are new firearms owners. Wow. But it still it proves that the rights of uh, all of us are being challenged by just a few. Thank good goodness the uh, GL Armory, they're open for business. Both DK Mags and Monticello Pond and Gun, they offer a wide variety of firearms. I'm not talking just home protection or personal protection. Skeet shooting, hunting, Whatever you whatever your deal is, you can get it at DK Mags and Monticello Pond and Gun. Of course, along with the ammunition and all the fun, cool accessories. The price is fair, the selection good, and what you can't find in the store or on the website can be ordered. Uh, and if you order it from the DKMags.com website, shipping is free. The hours very important. Be there at 9:59 a.m. Uh, in New Brighton, because DK Mags open 10 to 6 weekdays, 11 to 5 Fridays. A little different up at Monticello Pun and Gun, a later start, 11 to 6 weekdays, 11 to 5 on Saturdays. And like I said, special orders, bring them, baby, bring them. Uh, the wait time usually one to uh, three and a half weeks or so. There are a couple of wonderful shops. We love them. They're run by us, GLers, for us, GLers, DKMags.com. And now a man who's on more than he's on, Joe Suchere. Speaking of on, Such, you got your chill boys on, bruh? Yep. All right, Kenny. I do. You're rocking your performance boxers. Uh, my personal favorite are the bamboo boxer briefs. Chillboys.com. If you go there, you can see their entire selection of the boxers, the t-shirts, the cool sunglasses, so much more. Uh, I got a great email from Christy, by the way, that thanked me. She said, Reavers, uh, got Chillboys for the hubby uh, for Christmas and just wanted to say thank you. He absolutely loves them. Well, thank you, Christy, for supporting one of our sponsors here in Garage Logic. Go online, place your order with the best customer service team around, led by Julie, of course. But the best part of Chill Boys, fast and free shipping on all orders that are over $40 in the entire United States, anywhere in the United States. Chillboys.com, place order. Please let them know that you heard about them right here on the Garage Logic podcast. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from Tom Lyman. On this date, in 1871, Kentucky Congressman James Proctor Knott delivers the speech, The Glories of Duluth, in Congress, mocking the city in an effort to defeat a bill granting a land to the St. Croix and Lake Superior Railroad. Duluth citizens appreciate the free publicity, however, and the town of Proctor was named for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that is fascinating. Cool. 
on in 1960. <laughs> the ultimate kick to the shorts. I right. love it. <laughs> yeah, he's groin kicking Duluth and name a town after him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In 1960, on this date, Grand Portage National Monument, established by Congress in 1958 and located within the Grand Portage Indian Reservation, is dedicated when Secretary of the Interior Fred A. Seaton accepts the site from the Grand Portage Band of the Minnesota Chippewa Tribe. The eight-and-a-half-mile Geechee Onigaming. Huh? Yep. Near the mouth of the Pigeon River. Nailed it. I'm going to just skip part of it. <laughs> Near the mouth of the Pigeon River was a major gateway into the interior of North America for exploration, trade, and commerce. Yeah, it was. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And one more note for, for author's corner. Uh, uh, Jordy alerted me to this. Uh, uh, James Riley of the Manhattan Institute has completed a biography of Thomas Sowell. Uh, a biography of Thomas Sowell will appear in May. Hmm. And Jordy included one of his favorite Thomas Sowell quotes. If you have always believed that everyone should play by the same rules and be judged by the same standards, that would have gotten you labeled a radical 60 years ago, a liberal 30 years ago, and a racist today. Wow. And what, what was that submission for, Joe? What do you mean? You, you mentioned a book. Uh, uh, Thomas a Soul. new biography of yeah. Thomas Sowell uh, will be out uh, this May, written by Jason Riley. But the portion Stella, of GL that that's, that's for is, I guess, what I was getting at. Pardon, oh, Chris? Oh, Arthur, Arthur's, Author, Arthur's, Author's Corner. Author's Corner. Sit right down for Author's Corner. Let's all have some fun. Listen up to Sushire, because before you know it, it's done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he would look. We'd didn't have been... you want? Didn't you want some <laughs> solemn soliloquy like uh, the the Keeler thing that he used to do on NPR? With absolutely, uh... I went to Rook one day. You got any more to play? Oh, Chris? I got a hundred of them. I, I went to Rook one day, and this is when authors more were more routinely pre-pandemic coming through town. And I would say, set up something really meaningful for Authors Corner, something that sets the scene. I've always read the books of the people I'm going to talk to. Uh, I want something that's. Uh, you know, gives us a note of uh, decorum, a note of seriousness. Yeah. And here's what he came up with. Classical piano. Hey, ladies and gentlemen of Garage Logic, it's time to gear up for Sushere's Authors Corner. <laughs> and the authors, the authors would would get onto it and start laughing. Oh, like they camp got it. a kick out of it. Play another one. It's time to jam with the mayor of GL with another Authors Corner. That's awful. That's so awful. It's just horrible. The it's best, horrible. The best was uh, one of the times Vince was in studio. Yeah. He kind of he must have come up with a new one, and I think it was the uh, the la- the first one that I played. Yeah. And he looked at me, and goes, "Wait for this one, you know." <laughs> here came the bump, and then he'd play that, and he'd look at me and wink. And you, yeah. the look on Joe's face was, "Are you bleeping kidding me?" Like this, play not play one more. All right, let's. Yeah. Uh, here, our joining us today is Vince Flynn, the great late Vince Flynn. And here was what would open that. Yeah, come on here. Come on, you are not going to do this to me right now. It's time for Author's Corner with Joe Sushere, and this one is a strike. <laughs> <laughs> Put a bowling so sound effect in there. 
how can I get by creating this sounder for him without doing any anything. work? Anything. Anything. Wait, wait, wait. I think this is the one I was talking about earlier. Author's Corner with Joe Souchere. Just the way you want it. <laughs> Which doesn't even mean anything. 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 Oh, oh, God, help me. That was uh, that was yeah. always a highlight for yeah. me personally. Anyway, Thomas uh-huh. Sowell, uh, if GLers don't know, go ahead with the music, Chris. Oh, okay. uh, we're done here. Uh, is, help me with the last name spelling, Joe, S-O-W. W-E-L-L. Yeah, yeah. Great follow Great on Twitter, by the way, too. Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, speaking of garage logic, you only have a few days, GLers, if you haven't registered uh, for that Pod MN app. We are giving away a garage logic sweatshirt. To one lucky GLer just by listening to us via the PodMN app. Download it on your Apple or Android device today. Also, thank you to all of the people that have subscribed to us on our YouTube channel. GLers, we uh, we want to pump yeah. that up a little bit, so yeah. only you can help us get there. We're going to do, I've been trying to do multiple videos every single day uh, to subscribe. We, uh, we actually have more videos on the way. Some of them have been in the can for a while. Yeah. Uh, but we're holding out, and we're hoping they're going to be a big uh, big deal when we finally release them. We'll catch you tomorrow. Want more Author's Corner, Joe? Boom. Can we have one more? No. It's that time once again here in Garage Logic where we check in with our guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And GLers, do yourself a favor. You should check in with Josh Arnold today for that free 48-minute financial consultation. And you can do so by calling 952-925-5608. You will always get straight talk, never sugar-coated advice from Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. He's on the line with us right now. And Josh, you're going to hit on two big subjects today that GLers really can resonate with. And that's earnings and virtue signaling. You like that virtue signaling. Signaling. We signal how virtuous we are by some of the products we buy. Virtue signaling, very nice to wake up to news. The president said, nope, no more oil and gas. We're going to cut out leasing on federal lands to oil and gas industry. We're virtuous. We want a cleaner climate. Well, of course we do. Who doesn't? How are we going to get our energy? Just from wind and solar? That's what many people want. But that to me is a centuries-old solution to a 20th first century problem. There are other ways to generate energy. The virtuous people don't want nuclear, don't want hydroelectric, don't want natural gas, definitely don't want coal. We want to move away from all those things. That is only going to increase our energy costs, not decrease energy costs. It's only going to hurt a lot of people that are in the energy business. But for investors, we have a choice don't have to invest in energy companies. Indeed, that has been an area that I have avoided for a lot of years, ever since I got burned on an energy investment about six years ago. And that was even with one of the top energy pipeline companies. That hurt me and hurt my clients. I invest in the exact same things I recommend to my clients. That hurt me when the price of oil and gas collapsed in 2015 and 16. Since then, the price of oil has gone back up. Now, of course, if the economy does get better, energy companies will see a little bit of an uptick in their stock prices. There are plenty of other places to go. Earnings continue to come out better than expected, whether it be 
3M, General Electric. Indeed, I've talked that General Electric might be the perfect stock for this type of environment as it touches all of the virtuous areas. 3M did better than it's been expected. For those people who are big into leisure, outdoor sports, Polaris, local company. They beat top line, bottom line, increased their guidance as recreational vehicle sales took off a big plus for the Minnesota heartland. Tonight, Microsoft reports, Facebook reports, Tesla reports, and tomorrow, even more reporting from companies like, well, my favorite app. Do be prepared. Companies like Microsoft and Tesla and Apple especially have seen their stock prices move up ahead of the number. Very good reason. If those numbers are not exceeded, be prepared for a little bit of pullback as investors who bid these prices up are a little bit disappointed. For investments, investors wanting to buy, wait till after the report. Even if you have to pay up, you might get a chance on a, on a pullback. And that's the kind of focused approach and sound advice you're going to get each and every time that you meet with Josh. Do it today, GLers. Do yourself a favor. Get your financials in order by calling 952-925-5608. Once again, for that free 48-minute financial consultation, straight talk, never sugar-coated advice, give them a call today, 952-925-5608. Josh, thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. You got it. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.